on this episode of Why Watch That. <gasps> Look at the end, like they're running away and then like, dude, I'm like. I'll be in Mexico by the time they walk out <laughs> <laughs> one mile. Whenever people start speaking in unison, I get nervous. Okay. So that happened in this pilot. I was just like, let's not do that. It's a tweak on it where it's, if you tell anybody, the aliens are going to come. You know, so you'll see how that plays out. Okay. The question I have for this is why? How? Oh, why? Yeah. Now, Hoyt is a scofflaw. That's what he is. So they meet up. She thinks it's an innocent exchange. It's not. He gets a message on his phone from somebody. He didn't even go to social media, which I always say stay off. He just has his little phone there at lunch, and they send him a nasty little message. It made me want to jump into the TV. I do have to be honest. <laughs> it really did. It really did. It was just so wrong. Probably one of my favorite characters was the actor exactly what I pictured. No, but he captured the guy. And you'll see his whole foray into trying to get a wife and all of that, which is fun. <laughs> you know, him talking about sexy time and everything else. Welcome to Why Watch That, your guide to the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. We're on a quest to go from channel to channel, platform to platform, and festival to festival to help you figure out what you want to watch. We do all the work so you don't have to. So get ready for some unexpectedly candid and entertaining reviews that will help you answer the ultimate question, Why Watch That? Hey, welcome to another episode of Why Watch That, where we help you navigate through all of the content that exists so that you can figure out what to watch. I am Brandy, the producer, joined by Chauncey, the critic. And today, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> today, like any other day, we want to remind you that you no longer have to exclusively listen to us. You can also watch us. You know why? Because we're now on YouTube. Um, if you go to YouTube and type in whywatchthat.com, you can find us. You could also find our video episodes at whywatchthat.com. So, yeah. And today, it looks like we are going to do a little mixed bag of content for you. So we're going to kick it off with a, a movie first look. And the movie first look is um, good old Hellraiser. Yes, the Hellraiser from 1987. Um, Hulu is bringing us a remake of this. Now the credits are going to tell us who's in it and if it's worth a watch. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Hellraiser from the 80s, and it's just, I mean, why are we remaking why this? Why are we doing this? I don't know. Did you did you watch Hellraiser? I just see the imagery. Like, I don't remember specifics, but you can't get the, the man's face with all the needles out of your mind. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then they made a bunch of sequels that people didn't like. Mm -hmm. I'll come back to the original Hellraiser, though, maybe uh, a little later. Let's talk about this one. So this one is directed by David Bruckner, a screenplay by Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski. And it's based on a story by David S. Goyer, Ben Collins, and Luke as well. Uh, now, it is based on Clive Barker's The Hellbound Heart novella. Um, and Clive Barker wrote and directed the first Hellraiser as well, which is interesting. An author who actually wrote the screenplay and directed hmm. the movie adaptation. Okay. Oh, he ain't doing nothing with this one though. Now, <laughs> it stars Odessa, uh, Azion, uh, Jamie Clayton, Adam Faison, Drew Starkey, Brandon Flynn, Yafi Hines, and a bunch of other people. Who's a human and who's a Cenobite? Oh my gosh. Now, a Cenobite, just so you know, and this is what is the big baddies 
in the Hellraiser realm. The Cenobites are demon-like things that uh, control pain and pleasure, essentially. Mm -hmm. But supposedly in the lore, uh, what happened is they can no longer distinguish between the two. So it's just pain, 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 pain they give you. Mm -hmm. That's what they're about. Mm. So they, it's kind of like, oh, you don't know what you're missing. This pain that they're offering up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so this is what's happening. There's this like Rub Rubik's Cube type thing, but it's not Rubik's Cube. Let's say it's a demonic Rubik's Cube. Imagine it that way. Mm -hmm. Or a satanic one that cuts. Mm -hmm. If you get cut, the Cenobites are coming. Mm. Once that blood gets on that thing, it opens up the portal to hell or wherever it is. And here yeah. they come. And, you know, they're different ones and they have different looks, but it's all based on some sort of torture. That's why there was a pinhead. There is a pinhead here because the pins are torture. You know, they might have their skin flayed and, you know, exposing all kinds of organs. And, you know, they walk strangely. They walk very slowly. I love this in horror movies, but they're walking so slowly and everybody's running. For some reason, you can't get away. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it is a classic <laughs> horror movie like setup. <laughs> like at the end, oh. like they're running away and then like, dude, they're like. <laughs> I'll be in Mexico by the time they walk about <laughs> one mile. <laughs> anyway. Oh my goodness. So here's what happens in this version Odessa plays Riley. Riley is a recovering drug addict. And she met her boyfriend in um, like a 12-step program. Mm -hmm. Her boyfriend's name is Trevor, played by Drew. Now, she is living with her brother, her brother's boyfriend, and their roommate. They don't know anything about this Trevor person. Of course, they're going to find out. Now, Trevor is some sort of criminal. She's supposed to be... Staying sober, not committing crimes, all of that. But you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. So they come across this box that cuts. I won't tell you how. Mm -hmm. Now, before we get to that, the prologue of the movie, we see this, you know, billionaire guy who's played by Goran Vishnich, uh, Roland Voigt is his name, or he's a millionaire, whatever he is. And, you know, he's built this elaborate layer for these Cenobites and everything else because his hope is that they're going to give him what he wants out of life. Because mm -hmm. essentially the story is once you've experienced everything in life, maybe you go to the Cenobites and they give you even more. Okay. But do you know what you're asking they're for? They're getting, yeah. So that's how they introduce the box with him. Then it comes to Trevor and Riley and, you know. So you know that Riley's going to open it in some way by mistake. She doesn't get cut, though. But the leader of these Cenobites, uh, who uh, Jamie uh, Clayton's character, the Hell Priest, she is like, well, we're owed. So we're either going to come for you or you're going to have to find some victims for us. Thanks. Mm -hmm. What does she choose? And who in the world could be the victims? I, I can't even imagine who it could be. <sighs> and how are they going to get out of it in the end? And the question is, how does this millionaire connect to them? Is there a connection or are they just trying to tell the story of the box? Mm. So uh, this is what I did. Producer, I went back to the original Hellraiser, which mm -hmm. is actually available if you subscribe to AMC+. Plus. Okay. They have a lot of Halloween stuff going on right now, yeah. just so everybody knows. So I went back and I said, okay, let me see what was going on. Because I don't remember the original. I remember the sequels that mm -hmm. everybody hated. Mm -hmm. I was watching the original going, this is completely crazy. But there was something to it. <laughs> like the, the story of it, there was a, a husband and wife move into, I think, his grandmother's home. And he has a brother. They find that the brother was living there, but the brother is nowhere to be found. Now, we know the brother is the one who found this box because mm -hmm. the brother's experienced all kinds of drugs and everything else in life. He needs the next le le level of pleasure. Right. He doesn't know what he's getting into, but he's nowhere to be found in this home. 
but they do see evidence that he was there. Now, by some sort of circumstance, the husband cuts himself in this room and blood seeps into the floorboards. Now, before this, we saw the Cenobites and everything else. You know, there were rats running around. It's that kind of thing. So when the blood goes into the floorboards, it actually starts to reconstitute the brother. So he is there. He was just, I don't know, killed or something mm-hmm. by the Cenobites. I'm not going to give it all away. And there's a connection between the brother and his brother's wife. What is that? So she finds that he's starting to be re- reconstituted. She's got to keep bringing blood so he can be fully formed again. Like, this is what's going on in the original. Much more interesting than what I just told you about this remake. Much more. I thought in the remake that the box wasn't interesting enough at all. Okay, it's all about power and pleasure. Got it. But they didn't introduce the process clearly enough for it to stick or scare. Whereas in the original, they were, it was just a better introduction to it. And it was more fun, frankly. It was disgusting and ridiculous. This to me is a little too sterile. Like even the way the Cenobites look, it's too good almost. It's too good. Like this is not something that's really going to scare me. So what I would hope is that they <laughs> they would have some fun with it. I, it just it didn't have the same mood. Like just comparing it to that original. Not that the original is a great movie. It's not, but it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing. I think they did have an opportunity here, though, to connect this pain pleasure nexus with um, the whole drug addiction. That was an opportunity that they completely missed, in my opinion. Mm. Um, Also, this is around two hours instead of about an hour and a half. Why? Like nowadays, do we really need anything to be longer? (laughs) Now, is the remake complete trash? It's not. I would say it's inessential. It's bland, despite the preposterous uh, subject matter. Um, It's like if you take Hellraiser and pull in American Horror Story. Mm. maybe it's somewhere in there but i you know i mean and even some of the acting mm. i was just like in the writing it's like okay you're yelling and being emotional but that doesn't mean that the stakes are high i just saw them yelling and being emotional at times and at other times it was completely no big deal like trevor at one point says and i'm gonna say it the way he said it the door was open we heard you screaming we figured you need some help <laughs> I would tell you this. I hope he doesn't get a job at Life Alert. Oh my That's God. all I got to say. Okay, because, you know, these poor old people are going to be saying, look, help, I've fallen. And he's going to be like, you've fallen. I and hear you. Get up. Help will be on the way. <laughs> so there you go. But hey, if you haven't seen the original, if you haven't seen it in a long time, I would go there, honestly. And if you want more, you can come back to this and see the more sterilized version. Uh, all right. Cool. Um, the door was open. We heard you screaming. <laughs> we figured you need help. You need some help. That's hilarious. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, guys. <laughs> TV series premieres. Um, yeah. Brought to us by ABC. And the show is called Alaska Daily. Is this about a newspaper company? Very good. All right. Look at me. Um, So give us a little more texture. Where is the newspaper? (laughs) Maybe in Alaska? (laughs) Who said it? Who should be watching? Yeah. So this is um, created by Tom McCarthy. And Tom McCarthy is like, oh, like movies, that guy? Yeah, so um, he he uh, wrote and directed Spotlight, if we go back to that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that Tom McCarthy. Uh, so, okay, like Oscar winner, great. Mm-hmm. It's starring Hilary Swank, Oscar mm-hmm. winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jeff Perry's in it uh, from Scandal and other shows. So you're like, all right, well, maybe we're about to get something here. And Hillary plays Eileen Fitzgerald, 
Um, and she's this, you know, high profile investigative reporter. She's working in New York City. She doesn't care who she steps on to get the lead, including colleagues. Something happens. Mm-hmm. She gets a supposed scoop involving the Secretary of Defense. Doesn't quite go the way she wants it to. She's on the outs. Mm-hmm. And because of this, an old professor of her comes around and says, hey, why don't you come work with me in Alaska? That's Jeff Perry's character. His name is Stanley Cornick. So he's the managing editor of the Daily Alaskan. Now, she's like, come on now. I'm not going to work for you in Alaska. You know, you know what I do. I do hard hitting profiles and investigative, uh, you know, reports and things like that. I'm not going to do these little, you know, local stories. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, we got to save local journalism and you will be able to do your work here. Don't worry. So you'll be able to get down to the bottom of some stuff. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she agrees to go. What, what other, other option does she have? She doesn't have any. Mm-hmm. Now, as she goes to Alaska, she starts having panic, panic attacks. She's got to, you know, fit into this new team. How do they receive her? Some people receive her, you know, kind of well. Others, not well at all. And there is a particular, uh, there's some murders that have been happening in Alaska. And it seems to be a pattern. No one is getting down to the bottom of it. So she's going to be the one to do so, an outsider. Why didn't the editor assign someone local? Someone who might understand what's going on in that particular community, because this involves indigenous women. Mm. So, of course, there is an indigenous woman on staff who gets roped in. How does she feel about being roped in instead of being given the actual story? You know, does she believe that they're actually going to tell it right? That kind of thing starts coming in. And of course, they're going to dig into some sort of conspiracy, we think. Now, when it comes to uh, Hillary's character, she's going to bring some of her old tactics into a new environment. Do they still work? Because some of the staff members want to like get along with the cops because they're sources. So the cops mm-hmm. kind of are like, well, we'll get that to you a little later or we don't know where it is. Is she going to accept that? What kind of rifts will come of this? That's really the setup. Now, whenever people start speaking in unison, I get nervous. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that happened in this pilot. I was just like, Let's not do that. And at the beginning, I thought that the actors needed to pick up their lines. I mean, she starts in New York City, big time news. We got to feel it. My Mm. gosh, they should be tripping over each other. Mm. That didn't happen. And then if you do that, you can contrast that with the environment in Alaska. So what I would have hoped is that Hillary's character brings that New York sensibility into Alaska, and it's like, wait, culture shock mm-hmm. for her and for them. And then you get this interesting interplay that did not happen. Didn't happen. Okay. Because hmm. there should be a contrast in pace and intensity. Yeah. She's still at a New York pace. Right. They're at a different at pace. Right, right, right. And it's kind of like, you've got to change yourself for us. Mm-hmm. See, it, it, that's, it, and then it would have been specific. We would have had a different a vibe in Alaska. That's what I wanted. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a bit sluggish. Now the music is serious mm-hmm. and the subject matter is serious, but is this spotlight? No, I think they needed a fibrillator. Honestly, let's yeah. shock these people into action. Mm-hmm. Also, when it comes to Hillary as an actor, I just didn't quite buy her as well. I just think she needed to be a bit sharper. Mm-hmm. It just looked like Hillary Swank playing a reporter. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say at the end of the first episode, that's all I've seen as of this recording, they started to get closer to the mark execution wise. The last team meeting they had at the end of that episode moved at the right pace. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. They could have taken that in the New York scenes and bumped it up. Mm-hmm. But as far as the Alaska scenes, I thought they started to find it there. So I will watch the next episode just to see what happens okay. um, because of the pedigree of these people. Um, if you're thinking about, should you start it? It's like a modern day murder. She wrote at a newspaper, mm. but 
without enough of the stuff that made Murder, She Wrote so special. And we do have to say Angela Lansbury just passed away. So, you know, our thoughts are with her. And I mean, you know, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> How can yeah, you know right. With that. <laughs> so, you know, we do want to tip our hats to Angela and her wonderful legacy and Murder, She Wrote. Think like that, but it's just not special enough. So far, that was my vibe for it. Mm -hmm. I think they could have something different if they get it together. I do like the gentleness of some of it. Uh, they just don't know how to use it, at least not yet. The writing, again, needs to be a bit better. Because if you're going to tackle stories like this about the marginalized, about saving local reporting, then you've got to do a much better job. The more important the topic, the harder the writing is to pull off. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll see. All right, cool. Next up is um a mini series brought to us by Peacock, um entitled "A Friend of the Family." So um yeah, a friend of the family. What is this about? This could be any about anything. Um, who's in it? Who should be watching? I would tell you this: you do not have a friend here. Okay, <laughs> Roberta Flack and Donnie Hathaway. Forget it. <laughs> With, he's the opposite of the friend they would talk about when people can treat you so cold. They hurt you and desert you. You wish he wants to desert you. I'll tell you that. <sighs> now, before we start really laughing at this, this is based on a true story. It is terrible. Oh, wow. And at the opening of it, producer, the victim, who's now, you know, grown up. This was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. She essentially says, hey, you know, this happened to me. I know it's you can't really believe that it did because this happened a long time ago, but it did occur. We're in a different time now. Like, OK, <laughs> what in the world am I about to am I about to get into? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this takes us back to 1974 um, when she was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. So here's what happens. We have two families. They are, you know, live across the street from each other. And the Broberg family um, is, you know, Jan Broberg is the uh, daughter who is going to be a victim here. You know, she has, uh, you know, other sisters and a mother and a, a father. Uh, and they all live together. Now, the cast includes Jake Lacey, who plays the titular friend of the family. Uh, Anna Paquin and Colin Hanks play the parents of Jan. Uh, McKenna Grace plays Jan herself, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, so, okay. Now, they meet this family. Jake Lacey, again, plays the father. His name is Robert Birchtold. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he has a wife played by Annalie, um, I'm sorry, oh, Leo Tipton she's going by now. Okay, good. So played by Leo Tipton. And, you know, they have a bunch of sons. So all their kids are around the same age. You know, the parents are around the same age. They can get together and, you know, have fun. But Robert seems to have eyes for Jan alone. Mm -hmm. You know, she gets up and does a little song for everybody because she played Peter Pan or something recently. And he's the one encouraging it. Oh, why don't you sing it for us? And she does that. And it's very weird. Mm -hmm. He starts taking her to you know, ride horses because her father is allergic and he'll pick her up from school and do all of that. Even if dad says, no, she's not going with you tonight. He'll slink in with mom. He's whispering in mom's ear. What's he telling her? And if you know the case, you know that she gets abducted by him. She actually gets abducted twice. Oh, I know this. I know this story. I've seen a documentary about this. Okay, so they turn. Okay, that's this story. Got it. Oh, yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well done. So it is. There was a documentary, just as you said, producer called mm -hmm. "Abducted in Plain Sight." Yes. And I believe it's on Netflix. Yeah, I believe so too. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. tell me, producer, what is your memory of that documentary, and then I will review this. It's insane. That's the my memory of that. <laughs> And I think I watched it twice because I couldn't believe how crazy it was. But yes, there's this man, like you say, that that slinks in, that befriends the mom and the dad. I think he ends up having some relationship with both of them. Um, yeah, some relationship the with the mom both and them. the daughter. 
the mom, the daughter, and the dad, according to the documentary. Well, see, I didn't finish this, so okay. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. I know we don't spoil, but this. <laughs> um, now, the first four episodes they premiered, they have nine total, okay. so it hasn't even come close to finishing the entire miniseries yet. But yeah, and and she's abducted at twelve and fourteen. Yes. So how did that even happen? She, they, she, from my memory, like they, he, he did it initially, and then. She ended up going away with them, going away with him again. Like the first time, I believe she like kind of ran away or something like that. Um, and then the second time, he pretty much convinced them or something to let her go along. I believe that's what happened. But it was, yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, you'll see. It, that's the first time is different. It wasn't that she ran away because there's this whole thing about him uh, talking about alien abductions and things like that starting to plant the seed and he builds this whole thing with her where he pretends she doesn't know he's pretending that aliens have abducted them Mm -hmm. so that is a way to induce stockholm syndrome obviously without even knowing it she doesn't know that she's identifying with her captor Mm -hmm. she doesn't know that he's her captor Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it's the whole thing of if you tell anybody, you know, you start getting into that. Mm -hmm. But it's a tweak on it where it's if you tell anybody, the aliens are going to come, you know, so you'll see how that plays out. Mm. Okay. The question I have for this is why? Oh, why? Yeah. We have the documentary. Okay. And notwithstanding Jan's opening, um, you know, message to us. Nine episodes of this? Hmm. Like, I could see a fictional movie of it. I had more than enough by episode three. That's as far as I got. Hmm. Um, it, it, it wasn't even that it was bad. It's not bad. I mean, Jake is doing a great job. All the actors are doing a great job. Uh, it's just it's just like this Dahmer show that everybody's watching on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Why? Wow. Like, they made a movie of it already. I, already wh- I started watching that, and my stomach started turning. And I was like, this, I'm not going to get anything out of this. Nothing. Yeah. I don't need it. Now, if that's your kind of thing, then you know. Like, even earlier this year, producer, there was Palm Trees and Power Lines, which I saw at one of the festivals. Now, in that case, the victim was 17, which is different from 12, Mm -hmm. but still a terrible thing to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, This obviously is worse. So, like, it's whenever we have this, it's why. The Woodsman, which I always go back to with this kind of thing that starred Kevin Bacon as... Um, you know, <laughs> pedophile who gets out of prison and, you know, is living close to a school, I believe. And mm-hmm. it gets into the psychology of a molester rather than the act itself. That to me was truly disturbing. And it wasn't softened at all because a part of this, and I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, hey, this can happen anywhere. And it did. It can happen where you least expect it. So let's give you like this wholesome kind of the Wonder Years vibe. Like if you take the voiceover from that, you might get something like this and then make it about grooming a child and her family to abduct and possess the child. That's up to you if you want to see all of that. That's that's a lot. I think I think we might need a refreshment after this. Um after this review you need I mean, a shower you need a bath <laughs> you need some prayers so you need prayer beads something a prayer stall like i mean i get it there's something i don't know like as a documentary it's interesting because it's weird and you're like what but i don't know i know i don't i'm i'm not going to watch this as a as a tv show it just seems but like I, I think maybe if you're if you watch Dahmer, Oh, if you, yeah, I couldn't watch that either. I, I, think I, I don't see why you wouldn't watch this. Mm, yeah. Got it. Because actually, I would rather watch this than Dahmer, but that's me. Because mm. uh, Dahmer, to me, literally, I was looking at this like, no. Mm. Like, there is no reason to watch this. Mm. <laughs> I know Evan Peters can act. Yes. I've seen it. Like, I don't need to see. I saw the movie Dahmer. Like, no. Uh-uh. Mm. Yeah. Well. But anyway, well, moving got on. It. Well, um, if you want to support um, the work that we do here at Why Watch That, you can do that by going to buymeacoffee.com um, forward slash Why Watch That. Um, you know, the critics watching a friend of a family, he still has, what, five more episodes in this miniseries. He might need a little boost. 
Um, now, what is Buy Me A Coffee? Buy Me A Coffee is a platform where you can donate as little as $5 um, to, to help support our work or purchase our TV tracker so that you can keep track of TV shows that you are watching and not watching. Um, yeah. And as always, guys, yes, money's great, uh, but subscribes, likes and comments are just as important, valued and appreciated. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Like because that helps us, you know, do things in the algorithms and what have you and comment so that we're making content that is valuable and what you're after. Absolutely. And in that TV tracker at the top, you can have friend of the family and Dahmer. My goodness. <laughs> With an X next to it. Don't watch it again. <laughs> Stop watching. <laughs> yeah, that's that's intense. I don't know. Right now, I don't, I don't need anything that, that it does. Um, I mean, maybe it's a cautionary tale. Maybe that's the reason behind it. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of intense TV right now. Um yeah, or just in content in general, but let's stay on topic. Um, we'll maybe we'll do an episode on intense TV. Um, but <laughs> well, it's because of true crime. See, that's what happened. The true crime genre took off, so they're going to pick up on that, mm-hmm. and then we're going to get a lot of this. Mm-hmm. That's really what yeah. it is. Got yeah. it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So next, um, well, this should be a little lighter because it's brought to us by the CW, um, and it is a. Uh, Walker Independence, which is the prequel to um, Walker. So uh, and that's Walker, um, Texas Ranger, if you don't know what that is. Um, and <laughs> so that Well, there was Walker, Texas Ranger. And uh-huh. then Walker is the recent reboot of that on the CW. Oh, okay. So this is... is a prequel of that. Okay. All right. So, we're... all right. Got it. So Walker Independence. Now we just walked through that insane explanation who who should be watching this who's in it <laughs> i mean we kind of know what it's about i guess well if you know walker <laughs> walker texas ranger which this is based on of course is developed by anna frick it stars katherine mcnamara matt barr katie finley uh lawrence cow and a bunch of other people justin johnson cortez and you know okay so uh, it's a Western. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's in the 1800s, you know, close to the turn of the century. We have Abby Walker, played by Catherine. Uh, she and her husband are coming from Boston across going to the West, going to Texas, Independence, Texas, that is. He's going to be the new sheriff. He doesn't make it. Mm. She does. Mm. Mm. Now, when she gets into Independence, She's got to say, hey, you know, the sheriff's not coming. Let me warn you, something happened to us. But there is a sheriff, a new one in place. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Mm. When she sees this man, she wants to kill him. Mm. Hmm. Can she? Now, there's the deputy sheriff who, you know, is all nice and, you know, bright, tempered and everything else. He doesn't know what's going on. And she meets a bunch of other people. She meets uh, uh, a woman who does like a burlesque kind of dance. One of the first people she meets. And, you know, she kind of shows her the ropes, says, hey, you know, everybody comes to this town with a background. You know, you come here to escape that whole kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they got all kinds of different people going on. And one person in particular she meets, she meets him in not quite the best way. And his name is Hoyt Rollins, played by Matt. Now, Hoyt is a scofflaw. That's what he is. So they meet up. She thinks it's an innocent exchange. It's not. So is they're more than just the sheriff she has to go after. But what she finds is maybe Hoyt can help her go after the sheriff. How? Hmm. Now, she also meets a guy who's from China. What's that about? What's that relationship like? So, you know, it's like the island of misfit toys here. Everybody's going to independence. So this is like um, the CW said, hmm, look at what Taylor Sheridan's doing. Let's get in on it. Yeah, let's do that. You know, hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Now, is that a good or a bad thing? I, you know, actually, <laughs> I didn't think this was bad. I <laughs> thought the pace was good. Was I buying Catherine all the way as the lead? I was not. 
I just thought that she needs to breathe a little more. Mm-hmm. Everybody else I bought. Okay. Yeah. Everybody else I bought, you know, uh, who she meets, uh, the, the dancer, mm-hmm. that character, I bought her completely. Um, I think that's Katie Finley's character. Yes. Like when she comes on you, like there's something in actors when it's in their body. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is about the breath. I just thought that Catherine was closed. Mm-hmm. She wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in contrast to other people. They're in their bodies and she's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. We'll see if she gets there. It's not that she's bad. It's just, I was like, mm, mm-hmm. not quite buying it. Um, but overall, I didn't think it was bad. I think if you just like a classic Western, um, then this would probably work. You know, a revenge Western and you got to be in cahoots with people you may not want to be. And all of these people have backgrounds they're going to find out and what's going on with this sheriff and can she get him and it's there on the CW. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, got it. Walker Independence. Um, next up, we have a something from Showtime called "Let the Right One In." That's mm-hmm. another one. It could be anything. So, what is this about? <laughs> Who's in it? Who should be watching? <laughs> be anything. Well, I mean, you know. We have Hellraiser, the remake of the movie. Now we have Let the Right One In, which is a TV version of a Swedish novel that was made into two films previously. Hmm. A Swedish film and an American, well, not American, an English language film, I should say, directed uh, by Matt Reeves. And I think he co-wrote it as well or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, he wrote it. So how does this compare? Before I get to that, in this show, it is developed by Andrew Hindraker, and it stars Damian Bichir, Madison Taylor Baez, Anika Nani Rose, Grace Gummer, Ian Foreman, Kevin Carroll, Nick Stahl, and Jacob Buster. Okay. And Damian plays a father. His name is Mark. His daughter is Eleanor, or Ellie for short, played by Madison. Ellie is a vampire. Mark is not. Let the right one in, clear. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that really mean, though? (laughs) See, there's there's a play on that. We'll we'll come back to that. (laughs) So in the TV show, um, Mark essentially has this daughter who looks 12. But she's been 12 for 10 years. Mm. Now, in the book and the movie, I think it's been 100 or hundreds of years or something. So they change that here. Mm-hmm. Also, the relationship between father and daughter here is different from the book and the movies. Not So if you know the book and the movies, it ain't that. Mm-hmm. This is a little more appealing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, in the real, it's a better relationship. I'll put it that way. So Mark is the one who goes out and has to get the blood because he doesn't want his daughter to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, is she willing to play this 12-year-old thing over and over and over again with him? Now, keep in mind, this is kind of classic vampire stuff. She can't go out in the sun. It'll burn her. Uh, We see another vampire get burned to illustrate that in a different Mm -hmm. storyline. You know, she does have to be invited in, like you were saying with the title. Mm -hmm. So that thing goes on. So that's them. Now they have just moved back, moved back to New York city because there's been a string of murders. So, you know, they can go and do their business and not get caught. Moved back. So Mark has a friend who owns a restaurant. He goes to him. It's like, Hey, I need a job. How does this friend receive him? Played by Kevin Carroll. His name is Zeke Dawes. You'll see. Cause Zeke, has history with him and his wife, who is now deceased. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, where they move, they move in next door to Anika Nani Rose's character. Her name is Naomi, where she lives, and she lives with her son, whose name is Isaiah, played by Ian. So Ian is already, or sorry, Isaiah, I should say the character, is having troubles on already before this even happens. He's 12 and he loves magic, you know, card tricks and all of that. 
I mean, this this little kid is like a ray of sunshine. <laughs> and he's not received that way. You know, he'll go up to people and say, hey, guys, and they'll walk away. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, just be impolite, bullying, that kind of stuff. But not hard bullying. It's just rude for no reason and 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 just bad. Like, they... He gets a message on his phone from somebody. He didn't even go to social media, which I always say, stay off. He just has his little phone there at lunch, and they sent him a nasty little message. It made me want to jump into the TV. I do have to be honest. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> it really did. It was just so wrong. Mm. Uh, so Anika's character is a detective. See how this is going to start dovetailing. Mm. So, okay, this family who is here to kill... <laughs> you know, like Dexter-ish, you know, in mm-hmm. hiding, that kind of thing, is living right next door to the detective who's investigating these murders. Mm-hmm. And her concern for Isaiah is, let's do everything we can so people leave you alone. Mm-hmm. I want you to be your full self, but you may not want to put that jacket on, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was interesting, mm-hmm. that take, I think, on it, where it's an honest conversation between a parent going, look, Yes, if the world were the way it's supposed to be, you could do whatever you want. Nothing you're doing is wrong. Actually, everything you're doing is great. But the way people receive you, sometimes we got to learn how to modify our behavior, even when it's not fair. I thought that was an interesting message. Now, what about his father? Isaiah loves his dad. I'm going to tell you that. But his dad had a habit, was on them streets. He pops in, he pops out. How does mom deal with that? Now, I will say that she does not spoil it for Isaiah. Another thing I liked. Her problems with, I guess it's her ex-husband. I, I, I Don't quote me on it. But her problems with him are with him outside of Isaiah's, uh, you know, sight, mm-hmm. vision, hearing. But he's back, of course. And he's like, look, I'm clean. I got this job. I want to be a part of my son's life. Will you let me? So you'll see how that's negotiated. So we have that. Now, we also have the whole storyline with Grace Gummer's character, Claire. Her father is this really wealthy guy. She hasn't seen him in a long time. Uh, Her mother's gone dead. Her brother, she thinks, is dead as well. We know better. Her brother is really what? And her father hasn't told her what he really is because mm. her father has been trying to figure out a way to almost cure that affliction. Mm. Does he succeed? Mm. And time is of the essence for this father for a reason. So, of course, she ends up back home with him. What's that like? How does he call her home? What does she find out? And how do they attach to the other two families I just introduced? Okay. So it's really a plot and two subplots. How are they interconnected? You know, there's this new drug out on the streets. I will say just a little crumb for all of you. Maybe that's the explanation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. I watched this before I watched either of the two movies. Uh, The Swedish one, the title in English is Let the Right One In, same title. The English language one, the title is Let Me In. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of those, by the way, are on Hulu, Mm -hmm. I believe. I think that's where I watched it. Can't remember. Yeah, I think it's Hulu. Okay. So I watched this first, and then I watched those And I watched the two movies back to back, actually. Now, for the show, I thought to myself, the pacing is good. And even more so, the acting. Hmm. And I will say, of course, Anika can act and Damian and Grace and so on. The adult actors, of course, they can act. These kids are really good. Oh, that's good. Like, really good. Mm -hmm. So that's Madison playing Ellie as the vampire. Like, I I like she can get the anger of it, 
but still she is a kid, so it looks that way. And they don't go too far with it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. Also, of course, she's going to meet Isaiah. What's that like when they meet? Mm-hmm. Those fangs might come out. He don't know it. Mm-hmm. But there's something about him that stops her. And that's really the main core of it. Mm-hmm. It's almost a love story. Mm-hmm. But she's really 10 years older than him here. In the original, it's even worse, like hundreds of years older. Mm-hmm. But also the question is, okay, we know as a vampire, when you're turned, you stay that age. What does that actually mean? Like, there's some interesting thoughts in there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be this relationship. And of course, is she going to defend him from the bullies and all that kind of thing? You can see where this is going. Mm-hmm. So we still have that kind of thing going on here. But I thought she was a wonderful cast. And I especially think that Ian playing Isaiah, it, for me, that's the reason to watch this. Mm. I just like him. I liked him as the character. I like his energy. I like his spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the kid that just won't learn that they don't like you, unfortunately. We mm. don't know why. Okay? Mm. We don't know why. We can't tell mm. you. Like, you do not deserve, like, if anybody doesn't deserve it, it's him. It's him. I mean, you'll see it when he wants. It's just like, oh, look, it's like, you know, it's like all this hope. Mm. See, that was the thing to me about the show. Um, it was, it was, him being so open to the world that's so nasty Mm. yeah now in the movies it's not quite that way because in the movies it's not isaiah but his name but that character the Mm -hmm. 12 year old kid who's being bullied he's closer to a taxi driver situation (laughs) he is practicing okay his revenge he has a little knife (laughs) so he's not that open he's started to learn the lesson no, that's a movie. In a TV show, you do need more room. So, like, it's completely different there. And then he meets the vampire and all of that, and she takes care of it, and you know, and so on and so forth. <laughs> so when it comes to the Swedish movie, it's Spartan. It's quietly brutal, like something you would see from Ingmar Bergman. It's Swedish. Mm-hmm. To me, I thought it was a bit too long, um, but I did get it. I'll put it that way. If you like that kind of cinema, I see why a lot of people liked it. Is it something that most people will like? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And that's why they made the English language version. Um, and if you're thinking Matt Reeves, I mentioned he wrote and directed it. Matt Reeves just did The Batman. So if you watch Let Me In, you can see how he could have created The Batman. Mm-hmm. It's a similar kind of aesthetic. Uh, it's dark. It's also intermittently claustrophobic. Let me in. Um, so Cody Sm- uh, Smith McPhee was the uh, young kid, the 12 year old who befriends the vampire. And Chloe Grace Moretz was the vampire in that version. Um, so for that English English language remake, I you know, you could see why they made certain changes, but kept certain things mm-hmm. in adapting it uh, from the Swedish version. But again, those there is no hope. So I think that's the change in the TV version. And I think that um, for some people, they may not like that. They might go, why are we doing this? But I I didn't see it that way. I really did see Isaiah is a new thought in this environment. Um, now, when it comes to everything else, uh, another change in characterization, I was saying it earlier, was Damien's father. So if again, if you know the movies, you'll see what that change is. So what they've done is they've made it a little more palatable (laughs) for people, (laughs) I would say, just a little more that way, Uh, because he is actually motivated by love, Mm -hmm. which helps him move past fear and regret. In the movies, no, it's a little different. So that's your question. Do you want this kind of take on the story? Also, this is set in the 80s. Uh, oh, sorry. It, it, this is set today. The movies are set in the 80s. Okay. 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 So that's another change there. So things that are new, they have a few. Um, some of it is stuff you've seen before. I don't mind that because my thing is sometimes things are new but aren't good. And sometimes things aren't new but are good. It's the good that matters to me. There we go. All right. Write one in. But what about this producer? And then we'll move on. What if that is about the vampire? Maybe the title is about the vampire letting the right, the right one, one in. Yeah. What does that mean? That could be interesting. 
Mm-hmm. We'll see. I just seen the first episode. Okay, I I might actually watch this. Seems interesting. I really loved Isaiah the Kid. I just did. Yeah. I, like I wanted to beat up some kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a grown man, but I, like I really did. I was like, look, like if that were my son, I don't. It would be hard to hold it back. Like uh-huh. I have to, you know, kind of teach him the way Anika is. Right. It would be hard though. Mm-hmm. It would be hard not to walk up to school and tower over <laughs> and just joke up some children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really would. <laughs> His little magic. Would you leave him alone and let him do the magic? <laughs> and he's good at it. With his coins and cards and everything else. Ooh, crazy. Right, let's move forward before I really go off. <laughs> All right. Next category is TV sneak peeks. Um, brought to us by Apple uh TV Plus is gonna actually be premiering Friday, October 14th. Um, and the show is called Shantaram. I'm assuming it's based off the book. Mm. One of my all-time favorites. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've been waiting for this for so long. It was going to be a movie. I think Johnny Depp was attached and all of this. And finally, we have it as a TV show. Now, it is based on the novel, as I said, by Gregory David Roberts, which was influenced by his life as a fugitive um, from the Australian th- authorities. It is a novel based on experiences he had escaping and going to India and so on. And this is uh, created by Eric Warren Singer and Steve Lightfoot. It is starring Charlie Hunnam as the lead character. Richard Roxburgh is in here. Radhika Apte, Alexander Siddig, Antonio De Pla, uh, Mel Odedra, David Field, Faisal Batsi, and a bunch of other people. So Shantaram is um, set in 1982 is when it starts. And, you know, there's Charlie's character who comes to be known as Lynn, but that's not his real name. So we start with him in an Australian prison. His life is on the line. He might die if he stays in prison. There's a particular detective who's been on his case from the beginning. Because he's involved in the murder of a cop. How did that happen? Well, he was a junkie and a bank robber. And he had a partner. Didn't go well. He was the one left with the cop's body bleeding out. But why was he left with that body? What was he doing? So he's in prison. The detective wants him to rat out on his accomplice. Who is it? Tell me. If you don't, you're done. So that's the setup. He has been framed. So he's got to get out. And he has a good buddy in prison who wants to get out with him. Well, of course, he escapes. That's the show. But how? What happens to his buddy? And so on. And he escapes to India. And he has the passport of a man called Lindsay. Now, they shorten that to Lynn when he gets to India. And one of the first people he meets in India is Prabhu, who becomes his really good friend. And Prabhu is, you know, you get off of the plane, you get out, you're finally in uh, Bombay, which they called it at the time. You know, he's there. He's going to be like, hey, I'm number one guy. You come to me. That's our good friend, (laughs) Prabhu. So he meets Prabhu and Prabhu helps him to get lodgings and so on and so forth. He starts to meet some other Westerners at a a little place they meet to have drinks and a little bit of food. Everybody goes there, the expats and so on. And everybody has something they're escaping. Here we go again with that, of course. And one main person he meets just takes his breath away. So her name is Carla. Carla's very mysterious. But there's something about him that she likes and that she might need. Because what he doesn't know is she's connected to some gangsters. How? I won't tell you. And one gangster in particular is like a philosopher gangster. Mm. You know, he heads up the criminal element, but he won't do certain things. He won't traffic women. He won't do the drugs, not in his area, which can come at a cost. So Khan is his name. 
And via some sort of alchemy that I won't give away, Lynn, of course, becomes a part of this whole thing with Cotter and Carla and the rival gangster leader who's Waleed Khan. Mm. There might be a war that's about to break out and he might be in the middle of it. Now, another way he finds himself in the middle of it is he ends up living in a hutment, right? They call it a slum as well. This is where Prabhu lives. Mm-hmm. Because when he was in Australia, he did have skills. He was an EMT. He was a paramedic. So how could he help some people in a slum with those skills? And what happens when he does? Now, the way they find that out, that he has these skills, might be as the result of a tragedy, which also might be something that's going to come to bite him in the end. Now, some other people he meets, uh, one is Lisa, who's a friend of Carla's and who is a sex worker. She got two pimps, Hmm. Maurizio, who's a piece of work, Hmm. and a doormat kind of guy, Modena. Now, Modena really loves her. So, you know, Maurizio does not. Mm-hmm. And Maurizio and Lynn do not get along. No, 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 no. So the original thing that Carla does is to rope Lynn in to help Lisa. Mm-hmm. But is that really what's going on? See, that's always the question. Everything <laughs> you see here, there might be something else happening. And then there's a, a guy who says, hey, I'm Switzerland in, in all of these matters. DDA. So a Frenchman who sits there and just helps everybody out but keeps secrets. He has his own things to contend with. And this might be something that makes him vulnerable. You'll see that. So a lot of this is Lynn is trying to escape, not just physically, but mentally. He wants to find some peace. He has this detective from Australia still on the prowl when he escapes. He comes to India. He already has enemies in Maurizio and so on. He's also dealing with the underground elements. The cops in India start to become a part of this story and a particular madam, the Mm. last character I will introduce in this description. And this madam don't like anybody. I mean, this woman does not like one Mm. soul, no one. So she is connected to all of these people as well, Mm. especially to Carla and to Lisa. And she has a long memory. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, all of these connections are, to come, are gonna come to light eventually because there's a reporter in their midst. I apologize, there's one more character I'll introduce <laughs> called Kavita. And Kavita is, you know, she could be an Alaska Daily. <laughs> she could be right there with Hillary, you know, <laughs> trying to get down to the bottom of everything, regardless of what the repercussions are gonna be. But if there's a story, she's gonna find it. Mm-hmm. And Lynn is a story. So, with all of that said, one of the thing that comes one of the things that comes to mind here is like Midnight Express. Now, Midnight Express, the book, was literally based on his experience being locked up and so on. Uh, but he was locked up in a different country instead of escaping, mm-hmm. and then they made it a great movie. And there we go. So that's one of the things that comes to mind. Are they going to be able to adapt it that well? As a fan of the book, they do make some changes, everybody. The book is told from Lynn's perspective, but it's after the fact. So keep that in mind. So the thing, though, is as a narrator, he doesn't tell us everything up front. So he'll hint to it. He'll say, you know, I wish I hadn't done that. You'll see why, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So in the show, you learn a little more earlier. Because they have to explain all of these people. Mm -hmm. Like the Carla character in the show, you learn a lot more about. Like, there are things we don't know that she's doing in the book until later on. They start building that out for reasons I understand. It's because we got to understand really who Cotter is and this whole impending war that might be coming, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. Madam Azu, the Madam, you know, that kind of thing. So you you get more outside of Lynn's perspective. Instead of it being first person alone, it's also third person is how I would say it. Mm-hmm. So 
that's one of the things to anticipate if you've read the book. They're going to shift around some of it and put their focus more on things that the book did not. Mm. Now, in particular, there's this Lisa Carla storyline. That was the one when I was like, I get what you're doing. I think they went a little too far with it, especially in the first half of these 12 episodes. I think we could have had a little less of that because there are two major anchors here, Lynn and Cotter, really, mm-hmm. that it, when when you're with them, it's working. Like Carla, her working with them, it explains her, it explains Lisa, explains everybody else. So I think that it wasn't that it was off. It was just they could have balanced it a little more in that direction, just a little more. But I think they do have a good idea of how to adapt this because it felt right to me. The DNA of the show matched the book's DNA. Um, This is a little more prosaic Mm -hmm. instead of poetic. Mm -hmm. But okay, you've got to make this a TV show and this isn't a miniseries. Mm -hmm. So if you know the book, you know that whenever it seems that Lynn is about to win, he's not. So how do they end this season? Think about that. Mm. But I think they grounded it. I think they had the flow of it. Uh, Because one of the things that I really loved about the book is, while I haven't been to India, it makes me feel like I have. Mm. And I talked to someone from India about the book, and they were like, hey, this is one of my favorite books, too. So I was like, okay, I'm not just reading into this. Uh And I I think that's a part of it. India is a part of this uh, because Lynn has to learn some lessons. He thinks he's coming to help. He thinks he's going to, you know, tell people how to run their lives in India. And they always tell him, hold on. You don't know what you're talking about. So I like that India has things to teach him. Also, just the feel of India is here. All of these different characters, because that's a part of the book, too. Do you like all of the characters? I like all of them. I think that the casting made sense, even though they're not directly what was descriptive in the book. They're not like Charlie is not quite Lynn, but he makes sense as Lynn. Like if you got to do a TV show, okay, you're going to go to him. Like I think more of an Adrian Brody kind of guy for Lynn. But when you see Charlie, he just has the right energy for it. It just works. You know, the Carla character I was worried about. Can you capture her mystery? Like all of that. I think they did it. I mean, they really did. Um, I think for Charlie, this is, for me, his best work so far. Mm. It's different from what I was talking about when when you're breathing, like what I was talking about in the um, in the Walker Independence Review, mm-hmm. Catherine's work, she wasn't quite breathing. Like, there's a settled quality to his acting here. I just think he knows this guy. And sometimes that happens to actors where you read it on the page and go, I got it. There's mm-hmm. some hook. And then that's it. I I don't think he could have a false moment playing this character. And again, the rest of the cast, I was just interested in all of them. Prabhu, one of my favorite characters, was the actor exactly what I pictured. No, but he captured the guy. And you'll see his whole foray into trying to get a wife and all of that, which is fun. You know, him talking about sexy time and everything else so i mean there's a lot in here about redemption and freedom and love and romance and forgiveness and escape and the human condition and competition and misunderstandings how your past informs the present and the future because they do a lot of flashbacks here filling in i don't remember all of that from the book so you get a lot of that coming into the show so i would say this is a tv equivalent of a long novel which Shantaram is like 900 pages. Mm-hmm. It's big, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like long novels when they're good. Mm-hmm. Like, I love, like Lord of the Rings all day. You know? <laughs> so it's the TV equivalent of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the second half is better than the first. So, you know, you might have to be patient. Just like a long novel, they might go into places where you're like, okay, why am I going here? but they have strong enough characterization and acting and writing to pull it off. So I would think that this is a success. Is it perfect? No, but okay. I'm not a stickler for adaptations that way. When you have to be exactly what's written, you just have to be good. You have to capture the essence. So what do you think producer? Would you check this out? Did you reach out to Rome? I can't remember. No, I didn't. It's funny. I started it and then <laughs> my dad loves reading and I know he likes big novels. So I started it, then I went to visit and I told him about it and then I left it with him. And so I never finished it. <laughs> but I like 
stopped when I started, but now that it's reminding me, I should probably pick it back up. I definitely. I mean, yeah. this is uh, like really th this book is definitely one of my favorites. Like okay. at the top, I just I love it. I've read it twice. Uh, the follow up. Now, let me talk about it this way. So, because people go, "Oh, is it better than the book? Is the book better than the blah 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 blah?" The book is a better form of this story, just because. Also, you don't get the full story in one season here. Oh, right. Um, however, the follow-up to Shantaram, I think the show is better than that. Mm -hmm. The follow-up to Shantaram, the novel follow-up, I was I thought it was cool. I thought it was good. It just wasn't the same as the original. Mm -hmm. So if I were to put them in order, I would say Shantaram, mm -hmm. the book, mm -hmm. then Shantaram, the TV show, mm -hmm. and then that follow-up, if that helps anybody as well. Okay, cool. All right, guys. So listen, I think we got four weeks in a row and then on a good note. Um, at why I watched that and oh, I was supposed to change it. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Why I Watch That, where our mission is to help you find something that you want to watch, subscribe, like, comment so that you don't miss a show, and so that we can create stuff that you love. Thanks for joining us. For up-to-date info and to share what's on your watch list. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Why Watch That, and on Twitter at WWT Radio. Also, you can visit us at WhyWatchThat.com. And while you're at it, don't forget to go ahead and rate Why Watch That Radio on iTunes. Let's keep the conversation going.